get rid of it. Silly idea. You don't even have to think nuclear is a bad idea to think that this particular proposal, this particular eye-poppingly expensive nuclear plant, is a bad idea. Hello, my name is Kirsty Styles, and welcome to the Weekly Economics Podcast, where this week I'm joined by Dave Powell, who leads on environment at the New Economics Foundation, to discuss a whopping great project called Hinkley Point C. I want to dedicate this to everybody that's listening out there. Your love is like nuclear waste. What the hell is that guy doing on the roof up there? <coughs> Mr. Osborne's logic is straightforward. If China wants to build and pay for a nuclear power plant in the UK, why not let them? I can see the Chinese becoming majority owners of a British nuclear power plant. Nothing says big day like a polished hard hat and a new set of overalls. I think this is a really important day for our country. It's going to cost a lot. Lisa May raised objections. Well, we knew that she had concerns. It's like a nuclear way. Nuclear power may be the present, but it isn't the future. So this is a government that is sensibly going to just make absolutely sure. So hi, Dave. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. <laughs> As you enjoyed our last podcast so much that you decided to join the New Economics Foundation. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much. Up and atom, as they say. Oh dear. Okay, right, very good. <laughs> Today, uh, you're here to talk about Hinkley Point C. That's uh, number one sexy energy project name 2016. So what exactly is Hinkley Point C? Well, Kirsty, Hinkley Point is a place in Somerset, North Somerset, pretty close, alarmingly close to where I own a house. Um, and it currently has some nuclear power stations on it, old ones, and the government wants to build a third one, so plant C. Um, and it's a great big proposed nuclear power station. It would do something like 7% of the UK's electricity. It'd be the first nuclear power station what we've built for a generation um, and it's very, very, very controversial. Yes. So uh, Hinkley Point has been uh, in the news quite a lot recently. Do you want to just tell us why that is? Well, so it was in the news for years anyway, because it is eye-poppingly expensive. So it was scheduled to be the most expensive thing on earth, genuinely, that humans have ever, ever built. Construction cost of £24 billion, which is three times the Rio Olympics. I mean, it's a staggering amount of money. Subsidy cost of £30 billion. So that's what it will cost you and me and our kids, not you and my kids, you know, kids, to <laughs> subsidise it for. <laughs> now, you don't have to this react like that. escalated very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that's how much it would cost to subsidise it for £35 years. Hugely controversial anyway, and obviously a lot of people don't like nuclear. But it had got to the point a couple of weeks ago where the main company that were going to build it, EDF Energy in France, had given it the green light. There'd been a lot of fractious behaviour at their board meeting, but they said yes. They did that because they thought the government was about to say, okay, we agree it can have subsidy. And then at the 11th hour, the government said, no, it can't. Well, not yet anyway. Yeah, same same day. It all mm -hmm. happened very, it seemed, it seemed like a major... Um, 
nuclear catastrophe. Yes, yeah, there's been a lot of fallout as a, as a reaction. <laughs> um, so why do you think Theresa May decided to delay the decision on Hinkley Point? Well, so what she said she would do is delay it until uh, September or the autumn, something like that. And on one level, it's a perfectly reasonable thing for a new prime minister coming in to do, to take a look at the most expensive thing that humans have ever built on Earth, which she would be putting UK bill payers on the hook for for 35 years and say, maybe we better just be sure we want to do that. And that's your sort of ostensible public reason is costs a lot of money, let's think about it. But there's an awful lot more going on here. And mostly what it's got to do with is China. So the main company that's going to build and operate this thing is EDF Energy, French owned, uh, but it needs Chinese money because it's galumphingly expensive and EDF are not prepared, quite rightly, uh, to stump up all that cash. George Osborne, a former Chancellor of the Exchequer, no longer of this parish, had uh, uh-huh. persuaded that nice Mr Xi Jinping to put £105 billion pounds into UK infrastructure over the next 10 years, of which a large chunk was to be Hinkley. Unbeknownst to many people, Theresa May never really liked the idea of the Chinese building so much of our economy, in particular, very strategic bits of infrastructure like nuclear power stations. And so what this is really about, and this is coming out more and more, is fear of the Chinese having control of what's going on. Okay, so um, is this more of a foreign policy decision, would you say, than an economic one? Oh, it's an everything decision. I mean, you can't have something this this expensive without it being about everything. So it is definitely about foreign policy, and it's had foreign policy ramifications. The Chinese have gone all sort of upset and quiet and diplomatic about things and saying how disappointed they are, and they hope that we'll reconsider, and that's kind of worrying, isn't it? Um, And it's not just the UK that's doing it. Australia just last week uh, also kicked the Chinese out of the bidding to run its electricity grid. So there's quite a few countries are going, maybe it's not a good idea for all this Chinese money sloshing around to find its way into effectively running bits of our economy. But it's also a domestic economy thing as well. The last Chancellor, George Osborne, had an economic policy of austerity and getting other countries, other governments, foreign investors to build our economy rather than borrowing at ultra-low interest rates and doing it himself. He had a deliberate strategy of attracting China to this country, wanting wanting to be essentially Chinese clearinghouse, wanting the Chinese to come and bank here, putting ourselves at the mercy of the Asian economies. It's a deliberate strategy. Theresa May doesn't like it. And you have to see this in the light of Brexit and re-establishing herself as what sort of prime minister she wants to be and what message she wants to send to the world. So it sounds like we're having a bit of a change of heart on uh, foreign investment here. Is there something wrong with getting money from from, uh, other governments, other parts of the world? There's nothing... Inherently wrong with getting money from uh, the governments, China or anyone for that matter, um, if we need it. A couple of things. The first is that we, you know, we don't really need it. So it was a deliberate political choice by George Osborne uh, not to borrow to build the nation's infrastructure, but instead to get basically anyone else who would do it to come and build it. When you're looking at something like Hinkley, which is phenomenally risky and very, very expensive, private companies wouldn't really touch it with a barge pole. Um, There was originally a consortium of lots of private companies and they all dropped out. You needed basically to turn to someone who had an awful lot of spare cash sloshing around um, and who was quite happy to to put it into Hinkley. That didn't leave many places. That meant 
China was going to come forward. China's got a huge amount of money sloshing around. It needs to invest it in things. It's investing all over the world. Um, and what, of course, that has meant, and what this has just started to alarm people, is what does the sum total of all of the things that China is investing in look like? And, you know, politicians are worried about it. You can absolutely debate whether they should be or not. But that's what's going on here, is a concern about the soft power or the economic influence that China in particular is getting over key bits of countries' kit. Okay, so obviously they're all on their jollies right now. Uh, Theresa May has just jetted off to Switzerland with her um, very handsome other half. Um, what do you think uh, the decision in, in the autumn then is likely to be? Well, um, if I were a betting man, which I um, am, um, I would probably put my money on it not going ahead. I mean, already there was an awful lot of people who had said, this thing's not going to happen. They're not going to spend all of that money building this thing. This thing will still be getting subsidy if it goes ahead in the year 2060, right? I mean, could you imagine what's going to happen to renewable energy and technology and everything in that sort of time? So there's a lot of people, everyone from HSBC to the Financial Times and The Economist and everyone except George Osborne, EDF and the Chinese were basically thought this was a bad idea. Now that George Osborne isn't around, that doesn't leave too many people. You don't even have to think nuclear is a bad idea to think that this particular proposal, this particular eye-poppingly expensive nuclear plant is a bad idea. So I, I think everyone, to be honest, might now be looking, well, most people, for a way just to quietly get out of this and save face. Yeah. Uh, all, uh, quite a bit of money's already been spent, hasn't it? Yeah, a few billion quid um, has been what? spent clearing. <laughs> it's tish and pish. Well, it's nothing in the scheme of the, of the total cost. And obviously, um, uh, yeah, that's been spent clearing the site and getting ready and all of that sort of thing. Um, but it was, all, it was always contingent on the government agreeing to subsidise it, or more accurately, you and I agreeing to subsidise it, at a cost that would end up being something like £2,000 per household total. Um, being spent to subsidise this thing. Yeah, and that's the mad fixed cost of the electricity that it would come out with. That's right, yeah. So the way that I I shan't go into the technicalities of it, uh, not least because it's very fiddly and I get upset by fiddly things, but I think uh, the basic thing to realise is the price was guaranteed. So the price was guaranteed at pretty much twice the price of the wholesale cost of electricity. So EDF were being promised a price for their electricity for 35 years. And the taxpayers would be on the hook for that difference, and that's what the subsidy is. Is, if Theresa May appointed you uh, Minister for Business, Energy and Industrial Ooh. Strategy, uh, as it is now casually known, uh, what would your decision on Hinkley be? Get rid of it. Silly idea. Um, so like I said, you don't even have to think that nuclear is a terrible idea in order to think that Hinkley is a bad idea. Um, at the very, very, very least, uh, the reason why Hinkley was so expensive was because it was like first in class. It was proving a concept. It was giving a, you know, we'll, we'll do it first and pay a lot more money for it and that'll bring the cost of later ones down. But even if you wanted to do nuclear, that much money is just, it's just daft. I would get rid of it. I think that if you put an ounce of the political commitment into renewable energy, into energy saving, into new forms of technology, into innovation, if you put a fraction of that money and all of that economic energy into getting a different way of doing energy, who knows what would happen? I mean, it's an extraordinarily large, not just the financial commitment, but the fact that you'll be locking this in until I'll be sometime in my, well, I'll be 80 or something horrific like that. Um, It's terrifying, basically. So I would get rid of it um, and I would do a lot of other things instead. Okay, so lots of people who are worried about climate change think that we need to invest uh, in nuclear uh, in order to phase uh, ourselves off fossil fuels. What do you think about that? Um, I don't think that's true. Um, I can certainly see, I mean, nuclear is definitely 
low carbon. But what Hinckley has shown us absolutely crystal clear is that nuclear has always been over budget. It was always promised it was going to be too cheap to meter, and it isn't. It's still phenomenally expensive. There are two of reactors that are like Hinkley that are hugely over budget in France and Finland. Um, the money that you spend, the energy that you spend, if you do something else with that instead, you could get there much, much more quickly. And also the biggest problem with nuclear, I mean, aside from, you know, the safety and the cost and the opportunity cost and all of those things, is the way it makes you think about your energy system. You're building one great big thing and you're putting that one great big thing and having to run, therefore, a big centralised energy grid off it. And then when you want to do lots of nice decentralised things like solar energy and all the things that people are increasingly doing because renewables are getting so much cheaper... You get all of these oppositions from the big power companies and the government and the, and the grid that say, oh, but you can't do that because we've got this big thing over here. We could completely reimagine the way we do our energy system. We're doing that anyway. I mean, there's a new bit of research came out last month saying that renewable energy is going to fall in cost again by half again over the next eight years. We're already hugely coming, uh, getting new forms of battery storage and new ways of running our energy grid. Just imagine what that can do in the 35 years that Hinckley was going to get a blank check. Just put a fraction of that energy into a clean, democratic energy system and we'll be laughing. Sounds excellent. A case of willy-waving, Dave? We've chatted about this before. Yeah, there was definitely some willy-waving going on here. Uh, politicians like big things that they can open with a pair of scissors and say, look, that's my nuclear power station or look, that's my very fast train line or whatever. They don't particularly like opening lots of very small things. You don't often get politicians turning up at someone's house to open a solar panel or unveiling a battery storage unit in their basement. But this is a real symptom of an approach to energy that says, well, how you fix it is how you fixed it 100 years ago. You just build a thing and then we'll all plug into that. That isn't the way the technology works now. Renewables are inherently decentralised, inherently revolutionary in the way that they work now. And it really is about time that our energy system and our politicians caught up with it. OK, well, decentralised, democratic, revolutionary. Dave, sounds interesting. We'll wait uh, to hear what Theresa May has to say when she's back uh, after the summer recess. Thanks very much for joining us. You're more than welcome. We'll be back at the same time next week. Anyway, to cut, cut a long story short, I danced with the future Prime Minister of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Do you think she knew you'd be in such high places when she... I imagine she was carving it all out, yeah. It'll yeah. be a place in the memoirs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Weekly Economics Podcast is brought to you by the New Economics Foundation, an independent think tank and charity that campaigns for a fairer, sustainable economy. Find out more and get involved at neweconomics.org. Did you know that, thank you, spending the night with someone is the equivalent of eating half a banana in radiation terms? By it, what do you mean by spending the night with them? So, sleeping next to somebody, not in a sexy way. Um, so a banana uh, is a source of radiation because it's got potassium in it. Not very much, so a flight from London to New York is 17,000 bananas, right? But spending a night with someone is the radi radiation equivalent of half a banana. Oh, God, I have to go and text somebody about something. <laughs> Dave. 
Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought we were finished. <laughs> um, you know our podcast? This one. This, this one. here one, what we're this, on. This yes, one. I do know it, Kirsty. I'm on it. So um, we uh, have some subscribers, lots of subscribers. Uh, hello, everybody. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Damn it. <laughs> um, but um, we uh, want to get more. Uh, and so the way that we do that is, um, well, one of the ways is by telling people how to subscribe. Mm. How do you subscribe to a Ooh, podcast, Dave? I know this. You just subscribe to a podcast. But the technical answer is you use some sort of app. So you can use Evis on your iPhone. You can use the podcast app, which I think is one of them irritating ones you can't get rid of even if you want to. Yes. And you just go to it and you do search. And you search for, in this case, I guess, weekly economics podcast, is what it's called. Very good. And it'll give you a thingy. And there'll just be a thing to press that says subscribe. And you just subscribe to it. It's a button. And it really, really, very, very easy. Or uh, all other phones have basic podcasty apps, don't they? And Or you can download one if you don't have one. Or you can download one if you don't have one. Or you can listen to it on your pooter. What's... Something from the past I don't know about. <laughs> a computer. Oh, sorry. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, excellent. Well, that that was perfect. Apart from that last bit didn't really fly, Dave. But thank you very much for uh, joining in. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs>